Welcome to Hillside Baptist Chapel's weekly Bible study. Please join Dr. Steve Wood every week where we can all collectively grasp a better understanding of God through His Word. Contact information is as follows. Dr. Steve Wood, Pastor, phone or message at 6438-6541, email at steverwood002 at gmail.com. Prayer requests can be sent directly to hbcprayerlist2020 at gmail.com. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Pastor. We're ready to get started with our Bible study today. I'm very thankful that each one of you are able to be here. I know we're going to have others come in as we get started, but uh, uh, it, the clock on the wall says it's time. So uh, we're going to get started, and uh, hopefully we'll have a whole bunch more come in, but we're glad that you're here this morning. We're going to be looking at the handwriting on the wall, and I think probably all of you are familiar with that. Am I on? Can you hear me? Seems like, sounds like I'm in a barrel. Yeah, it's got a little bit of something. Okay, all right. Daniel chapter 5 is where we're going today. And uh, before we get started with this, before we have our uh, scripture reading, uh, let's see. Penny, would you feel like leading in prayer this morning? Yeah, I know. You can have that microphone again. Heavenly <laughs> Father, again, we thank you, Lord, for the state that you have made. Lord God, we will truly be thankful and grateful for all that you have done. Lord, we ask that you would bless this time, Lord, um, in your word. God, I pray you open our hearts and our minds, Lord, to receive it. Just bless each one, Lord, that is here and the ones that are not here, Lord. We pray bless you, Lord, each one. And Lord, may the Lord truly take root in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. <clears throat> We've been going through the book of Daniel uh, for some time now. Remember, we started in the book of Ezekiel. And uh, our uh, Sunday school quarterly is uh, going right along now on uh, our study with Daniel chapter 5 today and uh, another ruler in fact a couple of rulers are in charge of Babylon we'll, we'll talk a little more about that in a little bit but the only one we see in the scriptures is Belshazzar I'm not I'm sorry that's Daniel's name Belshazzar is the uh, ruler's name and he is the son or maybe the grandson of Nebuchadnezzar. Now, uh, the text says son of. And uh, this was a Near Eastern way of saying a near relative, a descendant of. And uh, a parallel to this is Jesus. He's called the son of David. Well, we know that there were many generations between David and uh, Jesus. But still in the Scriptures, he's called the son of David. We understand that to, under, uh, to be a descendant of. 
And uh, so that's what it means when it says, says that Belshazzar is a son of Nebuchadnezzar. Now, nearly 70 years have passed since Daniel was made an administrator in the Babylon Empire. 70 years. And so that makes Daniel in his late 80s at this time. And uh, he's a senior statesman in Babylon. In fact, head of all the advisors for uh, the uh, man that's in charge. And we're going to see that soon Belshazzar is going to be killed and Babylon is going to be no more. It's going to pass into the hands of the Medes and the Persians. And we call that the Persian Empire then when this takes place. Alright, to start out with today, let's look at the banquet that Belshazzar has. Verse 1, beginning uh, today in chapter 5. King Belshazzar had a great feast for thousands of his nobles and drank wine in their presence. Under the influence. Have you ever heard of that term before? Yeah. Did you know that it was a biblical term? <laughs> well, under the influence of wine, Belshazzar gave orders to bring in the gold and silver vessels that his predecessor, Nebuchadnezzar, had taken from the temple in Jerusalem so that the king and his nobles, wives and concubines, could drink from it. So they brought in gold vessels that had been taken from the temple, the house of God in Jerusalem, and the king and his nobles, wives and concubines, drank from them. They drank the wine and praised their gods made of gold and silver, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. Wow. Now we get the scene, don't we? We get the understanding of what's happening here. Belshazzar's banquet is outrageous and filled with excessive pride and blasphemy, as well as excessive drinking, because notice he was under the influence. The backdrop here is the fact that the entire Persian army is outside of Babylon's walls right now, besieging it. But Belshazzar says, hey, there's no danger. They thought their city was impregnable. They thought that no army could come and conquer them through those walls. They were massive. They were huge. But, even though that city could withstand a direct attack, they had are you familiar with the term uh, an Achilles heel? This city had that. Archaeology proves that the city was basically impregnable, but it had that one flaw. 
You see, the Euphrates River flowed under the wall and through the city. But you couldn't get into the city by going on the river. But we're going to see what happened. And so while this siege was going on, Belshazzar throws a drunken origin <clears throat> for a thousand nobles and wives and concubines. <clears throat> and even with the enemy at the gate, he gets drunk. And even worse, he decides to show contempt for the Jews and their God. Now after excessive drinking, the king remembered that they had brought these vessels from the temple in Jerusalem and he wanted to drink his wine out of those very fine vessels, gold and silver. And so he has those brought. <clears throat> and uh, so here they are then drinking from these vessels of gold, silver, brass, iron, and stone. And drinking to their gods. But God had a limit as to how far he will allow people to go in their sin. And in His patience and His mercy, God had allowed men to continue in their sins for a while. But judgment will come. Now I'm not mentioning. If you have any comments or any questions or any thoughts, ask for one of the mics. We're recording our Sunday school so that those that are not able to come to our services are able to hear it later. But, uh, uh, so we want you, if, if you ask questions or if you lead in prayer, to use one of the microphones to do that. But um, if you want to ask a question, we would be glad for you to do that. Or if you'd like to make a comment, we'd be glad for you to do that as well. So the handwriting. Let's look at verses 5 through 9. It says, At that moment, the fingers of a man's hand appeared and began to write on the plaster of the king's palace wall next to the lampstand. As the king watched the hand that was writing, his face turned pale and his thoughts so terrified him that his hip joints shook and his knees knocked together. Now that's, that's being fairly scared, right? Fairly well scared for a person to get these things happening to them. The king called out to bring in the mediums, Chaldeans, and astrologers. He said to these wise men about him, Whoever reads this inscription and gives me its interpretation 
will be clothed in purple, have a gold chain around his neck, and have the third highest position in the kingdom. Now we're talking about that third highest position in the kingdom in just a moment. Yes. I'll talk to you about that. In a minute. Uh, notice it says, So all the king's wise men came in, but none could read the inscription or make its interpretation known to him. The hand appeared. Now actually it's just the fingers of the hand, isn't it? Isn't that what the Bible tells us? But it begins to write on the plaster of the wall in the palace. And the Hebrew word that's used here actually is palm, the palm of the hand. But it tells us fingers. So the palm and the fingers are what's visible. Not an arm, just that portion of a hand beginning to ride on the wall. And so we find the king stricken with fear and his intoxication leaves him. <laughs> he sobers up very quickly. I don't know uh, whether you have had any dealings with drinking or not and getting drunk, but sometimes things happen to people who are drunk that will sober them up quickly. And this happened to Belshazzar. And notice the king's offer of immediate rewards. But no one can claim it. His advisors are not able to give the interpretation. They don't know. They know what the words are. We'll talk about that again in a minute too. But they couldn't interpret what it meant for Belshazzar and the kingdom. It's an immense award. The words that are used, we'll talk more about in just a moment. But it's from the Aramaic language, the language of the Babylonians, the language that they used. Some of the Bible is written in Aramaic. You may remember. And so, as I said, the words are simple. Just a simple. Just three words. One of them used twice. But he doesn't understand what these words mean. Now, the Queen Mother enters the banquet hall and calms the king by telling him that there's a man who can interpret dreams and foretell the future for Nebuchadnezzar. Yes? What was Hayden doing at this time? Remember he's 80 years old? Yeah. More than likely he's sent out of the top. He's not as active as he used to be in the king's business. But he's still there. I'm guessing, because we don't really know. But he wasn't there. Uh, but uh, he, he wasn't there 
with the other advisors. But he was still, it says there, but he was still at the head of them. Still the head of them, that's right. Now, <clears throat> notice the Queen Mother's praise of Daniel. He had a keen mind, knowledge, understanding, ability to interpret dreams, explain riddles, and to show, uh, solve different problems, difficult problems. So that's quite a compliment for Daniel in his 80s. Now sometimes when we have people in their 80s, they don't have a very sharp mind, do they? But other people do. And so Daniel did. Now, the Queen Mother doesn't believe in Daniel's God. Did you notice that? In fact, she said that Daniel had the spirit of the holy gods in him. Plural. Not one God. And so Daniel was caught. So we're going to skip down to <clears throat> verses 13 and 14 as we look at this. We'll read verses 13-14. We're going to skip on down to 17-19 and verses 20-24. We don't have time to look closely at all of this. <clears throat> but it says, Then Daniel was brought before the king. The king said to him, Are you Daniel, one of the Judean exiles that made my predecessor the king brought from Judea. I've heard that you have the spirit of the gods in you and that you have insight, intelligence, and extraordinary wisdom. Now before we go on to verse 17, <clears throat> let me say that Belshazzar wasn't well acquainted with Daniel. And that's unusual, isn't it? Yeah, especially he was in charge of the rest of them. But Daniel was in charge of them, but behind the scenes. He wasn't taking a very active role at this particular time. I don't know why, I'm just telling you what we see from these scriptures. Now verse 17 says, Then Daniel answered the king, You may keep your gifts and give your rewards to someone else. However, I will read the inscriptions for the king and make the interpretation known to him. Your Majesty, the Most Holy God, notice what he says, the Most Holy God gave sovereignty, greatness, glory, and majesty to your predecessor, Nebuchadnezzar. Now let us stop for just a moment. Remember, last week, the whole chapter was Nebuchadnezzar's talking to us. Nowhere else in the Scriptures do we find a monarch from a foreign nation having a whole chapter in the Scriptures to tell about his experience. I believe Nebuchadnezzar was a saved person. I believe he was, we would say, born again today, but I believe he had trusted in the God of Israel. The God of heaven, I should say. Because he's not just the God of Israel. 
but he's the God of heaven. All right. Um, verse 19 says, Because of the greatness he gave them, all people, nations, and languages were terrified and feared him. Now, I'm sure Belshazzar knew about that. I think he could have known about Daniel, uh, Daniel's God and Nebuchadnezzar's God if he had just looked hard enough. In fact, I'm going to say something just now that may surprise you. Nebuchadnezzar may still be around. May still be a part of Belshazzar's life somewhat. I'll, I'll give you where we get that in just a moment. <clears throat> but when his heart was exalted and his spirit became arrogant, he was deposed from his royal throne and his glory was taken from him. He was driven away from people. His mind was like an animal's. He lived with the wild donkeys. He was fed grass like cattle. And his body was drenched with the dew from the sky until he acknowledged that the Most High God is ruler over the kingdom of men and sets anyone he wants over it. But you, his successor, Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart even though you knew all of this. Do you see that? Instead, you have exalted yourself against the Lord of heaven. The vessels from his house were brought to you. And as you and your nobles, wives, and concubines drank wine from them, you praised the gods made of silver and gold, bronze, iron, wood, and stone, which do not see or hear or understand. But you have not glorified the God who holds your life's breath in His hand and who controls the whole course of your life. Therefore, He sent the hand of this writing uh, and this writing was inscribed. Now, we haven't got to the writing yet. We will in just a moment. But Daniel mentions the fate of Nebuchadnezzar. As Belshazzar is reminded of that, Daniel tells him, you knew all this. It wasn't good fun. It was something you knew about. But you didn't pay attention to it. You didn't follow the Most High God. You continued to worship the gods made of gold and silver and all of these other things that have no life in them. He was saying they don't have any power at all. You know, as I thought about people in olden times worshiping those things, I just can't imagine why they worship something like that. Because it's something that many times they made themselves. They would have to know that you can't get nothing from that. Yeah. 
than you would think. Because they carved it into an image. You think they thought that that image then had some kind of power? Evidently they did. But anyway, that's the situation we find here. And um, uh, Belshazzar is doing what his grandfather had done as he had exalted himself against the God of heaven. And you remember, we talked about Nebuchadnezzar knowing about God. He had seen what God had done with the fire furnace, with uh, uh, interpretation of his dreams, and, and things like that. But uh, uh, he hadn't bowed down before him until he was cast out from men and then able to get his reasoning back, his mind back. But his blasphemy is the reason for the writing on the wall, the reason that God's judgment has arrived. So let's look at the dream, I mean the, uh, the words and the interpretation. He says in verse 25, this is the writing that was inscribed. Many, many people Pharisees. This is the interpretation of the message. Meaning means that God has numbered the days of your kingdom and brought it to an end. Tikkun means that you have been weighed in the balances and found deficient. Paris means that your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and Persians. Three little Aramaic words. But they describe how weights are measured and also describe the units of the weight of money. And they use that to divide to dole out money that was owed to someone. That was how these words were used in everyday commerce. Common words but yet used by God to tell Belshazzar of his judgment. Many is from the verb to number and describe a mini, which is a 24-ounce portion of silver. The meaning is that God has numbered the days of Belshazzar's kingdom. The Babylonian kingdom, in fact. And the word of it is repeated. Probably once for the king and watch for the kingdom. Tikka is from the verb to weigh out on the scales. It is from the word that we get the word shekel. Two-fifths of an ounce of silver. 
the idea here is that the king has been weighed by the scales of justice and found way wanting, right? And then person. In Aramaic, it means to be divided. And it denotes half of a coin. Have you ever heard of a halfpenny? Do you know what that is? We don't use those anymore. I don't know whether they ever use in the United States. They were used in, in uh, England. But it means a half a penny. A dividing of a penny. And uh, to divide denotes that It's sort of a pun here that uh, uh, God is using because it's saying that the kingdom will be divided up and it will be given to the Medes and Persians. So, the Babylonian kingdom came to a complete end. The king has been weighed in the scales and has been found lacking and God is telling the king that the Babylonian kingdom is gone. Now let's notice Belshazzar's faith in verses 30 and 31. And then I'll get to your question in just a minute. It says in verse 30, that very night Belshazzar the king of the Chaldeans was killed. And Darius the Mede received the kingdom at the age of 62. Now, <clears throat> something that's not brought out in the scriptures, but something that's inferred in something that Belshazzar says as he tells the individuals that were called to interpret the dream or the uh, writing, he says, you'll be the third in the kingdom. Well, you see, Belshazzar was second. He wasn't the prime ruler. This was Nabon Adonis. Nadon Abans. I want to talk about him for just a minute. He was co-emperor with Belshazzar. And Belshazzar was the second in command. And so he couldn't give somebody second in command because that was his position. And the individual that would interpret the writing would be third highest in the kingdom after these two. Now, the history of Babylon in secular history gives us that Nebuchadnezzar was king or emperor. And then he was gone. And then there were two other individuals. One of them ruled only a year. And the other one ruled about five years. 
Well, how many years was Nebuchadnezzar's exile? Do you remember? Seven years. Yeah. And so during that seven-year period, there were two other emperors that are in secular history. And then this individual, Nabon Adonis, became emperor. But he really didn't have a whole lot of interest in ruling the kingdom. He was interested in archaeology. And he spent a lot of time in Arabia looking at archaeological finds. Now, I can't tell you why he did that. I don't know. But he then allowed his son or grandson, we're not sure which, to rule with him. And I believe that this was Nebuchadnezzar. After he came back, he didn't use the same name he used before. Now, Nabon Adonis means Nabon is supreme. That was a god that Babylonians had. And he was supposed to be the god of wisdom and understanding. And he also had control of whether crops grew, whether they were able to get a harvest. Now think about the God of heaven. Isn't he the all-wise God? I think Nebuchadnezzar was referring to Nabal as the God of heaven. And he took part of that name for his name. Nabal Adonis. His helper or his ruler. And Nabon Adonis came back to Babylon after the Persians had come in and, and killed Belshazzar. And they allowed him to live. They didn't kill Nabon Adonis. They gave him a place to live the rest of his days in a neighboring town to Babylon. Now Babylon was completely destroyed. It was completely wiped off the map by the Persians as they came in. And Nabon Adonis didn't have anything to do with the Persian kingdom, but he was allowed to live. And we know Belshazzar, or Daniel, as he's known in our thinking, is also going to live. And we're going to see a little more about him in our next lesson. So, I don't know whether this is really who that was or not. All I can do is look at secular history and see some of the things that were taking place there. And it seems to fit 
with what I see with Nebuchadnezzar. Maybe that's what happened. But we do know that Nabon Adonis was the primary ruler in Babylon even though he wasn't there most of the time and he appointed Belshazzar to run, administrate the kingdom. And so the individual that would interpret the writing on the wall could have been given the third place in the kingdom. So it fits with what the scriptures are saying here, doesn't it? Alright. Um, the writing on the wall is fulfilled within hours. Uh, Daniel making the interpretation. And Belshazzar is killed. The Persians take over. Ancient Greek historians describe how Persian engineers divided the water of the Nile River, diverted it, and the riverbed that was going under the city wall dried up. And the Persians were able to come into the city walking on dry land. Walking underneath those massive, huge, protective city walls. Alright, let's wrap this up today. In conclusion, what do we see here? Well, one of the things I think that we need to emphasize is that there's a danger of pride. A person having pride. Pride was the sin of Nebuchadnezzar. Pride was also the problem with Belshazzar. It led to his, his blasphemy here in getting the vessels from the temple and drinking from them and Praising the gods of gold, silver, stone, and he was himself to blame for his downfall. Also, we can see that the hand of God is able to be seen in all of history. Now, I'm not just talking about the writing of the wall. I'm talking about what God is doing. I'm talking about how God works. The city fell because this was God's judgment on Babylon. And He brought this on the king because of His wickedness. Now third, we need to learn from history and the Word of God Belshazzar's punishment was revealed in that lying on the wall. You know, he couldn't understand what, what it was. Now, one of the reasons that he may not have called Daniel, maybe in the back of his mind, remember he knew all about Nebuchadnezzar. He knew what had happened with him. And maybe he was afraid that this writing 
was against him and he ordered his Persians to give him a favorable rendering of what that meant. And they couldn't. And so then, in desperation, he calls for Daniel to come and he's able to give the interpretation. Now, all the ruler knew, all the emperor knew about Nebuchadnezzar was enough for him to have his life in tune with God. Just like Nebuchadnezzar finally did. Now remember it took a long time. It took a, a, a real punishment for Nebuchadnezzar to come around to God. And so Belshazzar wasn't going to do that. Now he grew up worshiping all these gods and goddesses. And so he wasn't going to turn from that. He thought they could take care of it. But judgment came. When you and I stand before God, we can't say we didn't know any better, can we? Now there may be some people that stand before God and they may have that plea. I didn't know any better. But I don't think many people could do that. Because remember what the Apostle Paul said about uh, history itself bears out that they needed to turn to the one God. We can't say we didn't know any better, nor can we plead innocence. We've been given much revelation. All the revelation, in fact, that we need in order for us to come to God and trust Him. The question is today, what have we done with the revelation that we've received through the Scriptures and in other places? Belshazzar didn't do the right things with what he did. We need to do the right things with what we know. I think we're talking Father, we thank you today for your word that we've been able to study. And the great Babylonian kingdom that existed on this earth, that secular history bears out, was one of the world empires back in that day and time. And we're able to see some of the intricate goings on through your word of that great kingdom and how it came to an end. And I pray your blessings on those that are here today to study your word and help us to carry these things with us. And I pray that we might not try to plead in ignorance as we stand before you, but we will have trust in the knowledge that we have of who you are and what you're doing in our world today and what you want from our lives. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Contact information is as follows. 
Dr. Steve Wood, Pastor, phone or message at 6438-6541, email at steverwood002 at gmail.com. Prayer requests can be sent directly to hbcprayerlist2020 at gmail.com. Thank you, and God bless.